Welcome to the Unlocked Crypto Podcast. This podcast is not financial advice. It's meant for entertainment purposes only. These are just the opinions of a couple of Bramble and Rex. Alrighty, welcome back to another episode of Unblocking Crypto. Hal, thanks for joining. I think, as always, we'll get things started here in a second with the news. But this episode should be a pretty interesting episode since we're going to talk about do your own research. And that is such an integral part of crypto in general. So before we jump into that, because that's going to be a pretty interesting conversation, let's talk about some of the positive things going on in the crypto space. So I'll let you go first. Uh, yeah. So the uh, the EU was going to pass some crypto legislation. Um, it's called MICA. Really find a whole lot about it in general, but it's it's just some, some regulatory guidelines for cryptocurrencies. And an earlier draft of it banned proof of work uh, crypto like Bitcoin, citing energy concerns and you know carbon uh, emissions and things like that. But they pulled that out because of backlash from uh, from the people. So that's no longer a part of that legislation. That's a good thing. Um, we saw that earlier in the year when the United States was passing the infrastructure bill and there was some language that was going to potentially uh, mess with or, or define crypto brokers as anybody that touches crypto or anybody that puts two like a peer to peer crypto exchange together, including miners and nodes and everybody. So there was no way to, it was like unworkable legislation and senators got tons of calls from it. So that's a good sign from as far as like, you know, democracies are still like worried about votes. Uh, and so as long as that happens, I think that that's a good that's good news for cryptocurrency and Bitcoin. Um, and then the most pressing thing is, is it's not news. Right. But it's going to be news. Uh, Joe Biden's going to sign an executive order this week. And it's like typical government fashion, which is one of the reasons why I think government's never going to catch up to crypto is like, this executive order is going to set in place uh, committees that will do research in order to provide guidance in different areas about cryptocurrency. So um, one of the things I saw is that the EPA is going to be a part of it. Um, and I think that's just like, if it said the SEC is going to be part of it, like that would be a good thing in my opinion. By you know the headline didn't say anything about that, but there has to be financial regulators involved, right? Because it's a financial asset. So it was just talked about um, the EPA is going to be involved. Like, oh, they're going to they're going to disallow you know proof of work because of emissions and and power uh, concerns. And so I'm not really sweating it. I still don't sweat it, but it's it's going to be one of the bigger pieces of news to come down. Um, with a presidential executive order specifically designed around cryptocurrency, just as a validation that like, hey, cryptocurrency and Bitcoin, it's like, it's part of the environment now. It's not, it's not like a thing that's just gonna disappear. Uh, so that's, I, I, think it's, I, think it's all, I think it's all positive. And maybe a year from now when all of these committees come together and put out their guidance on what they think about cryptocurrency and Bitcoin. And I mean, you know how fast things go in a year in crypto land, it's like, you know, the, the government's going to be four more years behind because yeah, they took one year to put this together. Yeah. 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 Well, it's, I appreciate them thinking that we're stupid and we can't do our own research. That kind of ties in really well to our topic today. Uh, so a couple of things on my end. Um, I know we've talked about other cities having their own token, but there's a, a small city in Switzerland, Lugano, and I'm probably mispronouncing that, that they are now accepting payment um, for taxes, goods, and services in Bitcoin, Tether, and their own token that they created. Um, so that's pretty exciting to see it becoming uh, more prolific there. So they have like 200 merchants, I think, that are already going to accept crypto for payment, and they're expecting to expand that even more. Um, one of the reasons that they're probably doing this is they're also planning on hosting the Bitcoin World Forum in August there. So I'm sure people that come there will want to theoretically spend their Bitcoin at some of these merchants. And then one of the interesting pieces to all this too is they're planning on um, giving out about 500 scholarships for people that are studying blockchain and DeFi. So that'll be intriguing to see kind of more of a push to get more people involved in this. 
Um, and yeah, then I, like, this... I like that because like, El Salvador has similar stuff to that. And it's like uh, the state of Georgia passed a thing that said if you spend $250 million on Bitcoin mining infrastructure and provide, I don't remember, 200 jobs or full-time equivalent jobs, then you get huge tax credits. So like the game theory on the city level and state level and country level is, is really kind of starting. And it's kind of funny. It's funny to see. Considering like 2017, you know, this was all like, this is people talked about, Bitcoin people talked about this and nobody else talked about this. <laughs> yeah. And still not many people are talking about this. Still not many people talk about it. <laughs> so the other thing that was interesting too is there's been some research talking to financial advisors and what most of the financial advisors are saying, and uh, these are all statistics, which I feel like are all made up anyways, but 94% of their clients are asking questions about crypto right now that being said only about 15 percent of uh, the clients actually have crypto and, and part of that is probably because of the difficulty of getting in and out of crypto for for a uh, financial advisor perspective right they don't get a percentage of it typically um if you look at two years ago that percentage was six percent so in two years it's um getting close to tripled and they expect that 15% to be closer to 30% by the end of the year. So it's exciting to see that for those people that are listening now, it's still early. <laughs> there's not a lot of people that are in it. Um, and it there's still a lot of, I think, question marks on how the financial advisor side can get people into crypto and still take their, their cut. Yeah. So one of the things, one of the reasons I picked my financial advisor is he's like into crypto. Um, like, not many of these guys will give you any advice other than the same advice they gave the last guy that le left their office. You know, you need to invest in these these indexes and these stocks, and you just need to hold it forever. And these, and you have a bond exposure. I mean, that's just it. Just doesn't work. Um, and uh, so anyway, but yeah, I mean, my finance advisor, he's like, yeah, if somebody so and so came to my office, I turned my monitor around, I helped him sign up on Coinbase and buy buy Bitcoin. He's like. I don't, I don't get anything, you know, it's not like he gets a percentage of that piece. Um, but there are ways that financial advisors can get people into uh, Bitcoin. Um, there's a Grayscale has a Bitcoin trust that holds like 650,000 Bitcoin. It's an, a crazy number. Uh, and it's traded uh, as a, it's a trust. So it's traded over the counter. Um but right now it's trading like at a 25% discount to its net asset value. So its market cap is less than the value of the Bitcoin it holds. Um, cruddy thing about that position is it's a 2% management fee. So every year you're kind of peeling off 2%, but it looks like, or there's whatever, there's whispers of that being the best chance of converting into the first Bitcoin spot ETF. Um, and if that happens, then it pops to the net asset value because of how ETFs have to have to work. And that allows everybody that just has brokerage accounts to buy Bitcoin fairly directly. Um, it's still not holding Bitcoin. You still don't, you know, all the Bitcoin guys would be like, oh, you don't have, you don't hold the keys. It's not your Bitcoin. It's a Bitcoin IOU and all this other stuff. But quite frankly, man, all these retired people and 50 year old people and they're not interested in this, man. But their financial advisor is like, hey, let's put a three, four, five percent into this Bitcoin exposure. They'll do it. It's good for Bitcoin. Um, I mean, honestly, it's good for people in El Salvador because their Bitcoin is going to be worth more. It's anybody that's anybody that touches Bitcoin, it's good for. Um, and so, so that's an interesting piece. And then tying back into like the regulation stuff, um, I listened to Michael Saylor talk about how his company has to hold Bitcoin and how it impacts his accounting. And it was like shockingly terrible. Um, you know, this kind of goes back to like, you got to take risks. Like Michael Saylor take a, takes a huge risk by putting not only 100% of his cash assets, uh, $500 million into Bitcoin, but then getting loans and financing Bitcoin and convertible notes for his stock. Uh, billions so has, of dollars on top of billions, that. <laughs> like multiple billions of dollars in Bitcoin. And and I mean, uh, the president of uh, El Salvador has to stick his neck out and get into Bitcoin. But like the lack of regulation, like this, the e, the executive order from Biden, the, you know, as these things roll out, you know, these things will get better. But 
like Michael Saylor or any company that puts Bitcoin in their balance sheet has to using like gap accounting rules has to mark the value of the Bitcoin to the lowest price that it sold since they've owned it. So it's like the most conservative way to price intangible assets. So if, if Michael Saylor buys at 45,000 and it wicks down to 32,000, you know, and then pops back up, all of his Bitcoin that he bought at 50, 45, 50,000 is now marked at 32,000 and can't be marked up. So he's always taken a hit. Um, so if you do that, I mean, any public company doing that would be, that would be terrible. Like uh, you, now you're forcing people when they evaluate your company in order to buy stock, they got to like actually read through your accounting, uh, disclosures to figure out, okay, what's the business doing and what's the Bitcoin doing? <laughs> what did the Bitcoin do to that business? So it's, it's just, once this stuff gets cleared up, it makes it a lot easier for companies to jump in. They'll figure out a way to mark the, mark the value of the Bitcoin to the market price or to some average market price over the last what I mean, I don't know. I don't know how they're going to do it, but they can't keep doing it like this. Like nobody, nobody, uh, very few things are marked like this. So that so sounds like a huge opportunity to get in at a huge discount, assuming that at some point it's going to have to be a more realistic valuation. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think that this, you can front run institutions and public companies Right now, it's wide open. Uh, I think, that, uh, like, I think getting into Bitcoin now, especially, uh, I mean, we don't talk about price much here, but like, we know that people will buy it in the sixties of thousands of dollars, and yeah. right now it's selling in the thirty thousands of dollars. So, like, it's kind of on sale. And yeah, do you think it's going to go lower? Yeah, okay, maybe. Fine. All right. I mean, you think it's going to go to fifteen? Like, probably not. So it's. Uh, you know, uh, w when people get in, you just got to decide how much you're willing to put in and how you're going to roll it in. And then, and then just pay attention to the news because even the bad news is good news for Bitcoin. It's like, it's, you can't beat yeah. it. Marketing is good news, whether it's bad or good these days. Yeah. I mean, the risk to reward ratio right now for Bitcoin is kind of at an absurd level, right? The worst case is you lose 30 something thousand and the best case is it turns into a lot, lot higher than that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, everything's going nuts. They're printing a bunch of money and it goes somewhere. There's only a certain number of Bitcoin and people want it and more and more people want it. And that's this, as they, we just keep climbing the adoption curve, it, its value increases. So I think this is kind of a good transition. Let's talk about do your own research for a second. And I know you want to focus a lot on Bitcoin. And I think the biggest thing for most people is to understand what Bitcoin is and why they're getting in and if they're ever going to get out or, or how that's going to happen. Uh, I, I'll probably add a few things to be a, a little colorful antidotes like for all the other coins. So the altcoins are becoming, I mean, there's like 10,000 of them at this point, right? So if you're comfortable with Bitcoin, that's great. If you want to get a little bit more aggressive, then that's where the altcoin stuff comes in. And there's a few other things you can look at. But let, let's start a Bitcoin is when you are researching Bitcoin, how do, how do you start? And, and this kind of goes into any cryptocurrency, but how do you personally start when you're looking into something? Like um, so it's kind of weird because, you know, like when you're trying to learn something, typically you go to school, right? Like, or you, you pay somebody to teach you something and Bitcoin just doesn't work like that. Uh, I'm sure that you can pay people to tell you about Bitcoin, but it's like, most of it's just out there and it's, you know, most people that are talking about Bitcoin are into Bitcoin. So the more people get into Bitcoin, the higher the price goes. So they effectively gain value as, as the adoption increases. So they're motivated to, to kind of provide this information and, you know, whether it's altruistic because they're like, look, uh, the dollar's inflating away. If you're in a different currency, it's inflating worse. Like the dollar is the best of the worst fiat currencies. So, you know, here's this, here's this life raft you can jump into. Um, it's called Bitcoin. And then you start to talk about Bitcoin. Um, so I'm like my education, I did like brick and mortar, old school, school stuff. And then I do, did like podcast education and uh, like online education stuff. And so to me, I spent, I was spending a ton of time in my car, a ton of time driving. Like our customers are, we're in Texas, we're in Georgia, they're in Michigan, Wisconsin. 
So, I mean, I'm spending 12 hours driving. So I just throw on podcasts and listen to them. And on a round trip, I've got 20 plus hours of, of decent education or information that's educational, that's kind of entertaining. Um, and so that's where I started was podcasts because I, I had so much time. I can't read and drive at the same time, but I can listen and drive at the same time. Um, and so the podcasts, there's a lot of them. Uh, and I found that I kind of like the more serious stuff, the more investment focused podcast. There's a lot of like, more like, uh, kind of like investment dude, uh, podcast, you know, information, entertainment stuff. Um, and I think the one I like the best is called we study billionaires. Uh, it started out as an investment podcast. They, their goal was to just have uh, talk to billionaires about what they did and how they do it and what they do with their money. And a lot of them are like hedge fund, you know, and everybody that's got a billion dollars is, is into investing. Right. So, um, but then they kind of cracked into Bitcoin a few years ago and they, it's, it's a very good serious look on Bitcoin as an investment using traditional and, but they also have like the Bitcoin mentality of you got to get out of dollars, like because they're investing, they know you got to get out of dollars. Like even if you, even if Bitcoin never existed, we would be talking about how could, how quickly can I get out of dollars and into real estate or gold or stocks or bonds or what, or art, like no, no matter what people are getting out of dollars, like that's the important thing. And so, um, we study billionaires, I think is a great one, especially if you're a pretty serious person. Um, the, another one is the Bitcoin standard podcast that was, uh, with Saifedean Amos. He wrote the Bitcoin standard book, which I definitely recommend as far as do your own research. Um, he's serious, but he's more like, he's, he's a mechanical engineer that turned kind of economist, Austrian economist. And so he's super logical. The way he thinks is similar to the way I think. And his guests are pretty serious into Bitcoin. Um, super informative, very like base level Bitcoin knowledge. Um, but he, his book, the Bitcoin standard is, uh, if there's two things that if you like to read, I got two things that we can talk about when we get off a podcast. Um, the what is money podcast with Robert Breedlove is way more philosophical. So Bitcoin can get investy. It can get philosophical. It can get like uh, screw the man, like uh, revolutionary. Um, and so Robert Breedlove is kind of a soft spoken revolutionary and he understands he's like a futurist. Um, so he's, he's not really looking at what's going to happen tomorrow. But he kind of it's it's more uh, abstract about how, what you can do with Bitcoin. Um, but he has good guests. His is super long form. Like he'll break up. Um, he, like he had Michael Saylor on there, and it was like seven a seven part series, and each part was over like between an hour and two hours. So this is you know you can get ten hours of listening to somebody talk that knows Bitcoin. Um, that's tough to get, right? Usually mm -hmm. it's an hour, maybe two. Um, or you can get Jim Cramer talking about a stock for 15 seconds, right? Like where are you going to put your money? Um, what Bitcoin did with Peter McCormack, this is, I would consider this to be kind of like the Joe Rogan podcast for Bitcoin. Um, he is self self deprecating about like, Oh, I'm just some dumb guy. Uh, but he has good guests. He asks good questions. Uh, he's very casual, but there's a lot of value in those podcasts, but they're pretty light. You know, they're not as, as deep as, as the, the previous ones. And then the lightest, in my opinion, is, is the Pomp podcast with Anthony Pompliano. Um, he's been in Bitcoin for a long time. He knows Bitcoin stuff. He used to be more serious. He used to be on CNBC quite a bit um, to talk about Bitcoin, but he's just kind of gotten a little more, I guess his market is more like, uh, like the GME crowd. That's, that's, now getting into Bitcoin. So it's a little more like it's probably for a younger crowd, maybe. Um, so that's that's that uh, as far as podcasts, Bitcoin podcasts. I'd say those are probably the five I listen to the most. Yeah, the one thing that I'll throw in there, too, um, when you're doing your own research, one of the things that kind of got me started into crypto was understanding what money and currency really was. And there's a guy, Mike Maloney, that does it. Uh, I think it's a 10 part series at this point, The Hidden Secrets of Money, that is explaining how our economy works and how a lot of other global economy works and 
his big push really is to sell you gold and silver. And that's probably what got me the most interested to start with is getting out of the US dollars and gold and silver. But everything that you learn in there um, helps to kind of push you towards crypto once you understand a little bit about crypto too. So it's a, it was a, a good segue for me to understand how the economy works and why I want to look at something other than the US dollar to store my money into. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think, I think that's the thing that you can, if you're just trying to talk to somebody about crypto, uh, the thing that you can say is like, look, there's a reason why you don't want to hold dollars, right? You don't know it. You don't know. You may not understand uh, the, the, the reverse repo market and how dollars are born through the credit system where banks issue, issue money uh, and collect the debt. And that's how dollars are born. Like you don't need to know any of that crap, but you know, like, man, okay, I just inherited $50,000. I can't just put it in the bank because it's going to be worth less every year that it sits there. Mm -hmm. So everybody's motivated, man, what am I going to do with this money? I'm going to buy a boat. Like, well, a boat's more fun than watching your money slowly evaporate. Like, at least you're having fun. Or, man, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to put some money, I'm going to do some fun stuff, but I'm also going to put some money into some investments because you're just trying to keep up. Like, yeah, it feels like you're making more dollars, but if, if everything costs twice as much and you doubled your dollars, you're, you're just break even. So over four or five years, that's kind of where, what it looks like. And right now things are, things are going up quick. So uh, I think that, I think there's a, I think the sense of urgency of people to get out of dollars and get into other things right now because of this inflation and commodity pricing is going to, is going to be a real driver for people to look for places to put their money that, like the stock market's going down, <laughs> commodities are going up, but nobody knows how to play commodities. Uh, like bonds are not, you don't want to be in bonds, 8%, seven to 8% inflation. And uh, you can get a percent and a half. So you're down five and a half percent. No, no doubt about it. Um, so yeah, I mean, what are you going to do? You're going to buy gold. Gold looks kind of promising right now, but it's, I mean, it hasn't done much in the last 30 years. So um, so, you know, I think as people look for stuff, they're going to learn about Bitcoin. And I think having these, these, I mean, these podcasts have been going on for years. You can go back and you can listen to stuff. And because Bitcoin hasn't changed ever, all the stuff they said three years ago applies to the Bitcoin network and the protocol and how Bitcoin operates and everything else. So it's, it's, it's pretty nice to have like a large catalog of information. So, so if someone isn't a podcast person, they wanted to more read some things on I know. Uh, probably one of the, the best things to do is start with the Bitcoin white paper, right? Go read that. And that's uh, only eight pages and gives you a pretty good understanding. But what else do you have or that do you see that is a good thing for people to read? To yeah. So, so if you are, if the Bitcoin white paper is too technical for you, that's fine. I, um, you know, it's not, a, it doesn't take long to read. You'll pick up something. Um, the bullish case for Bitcoin by Vijay Boyapati is a nice, it's like, a, it, I would say it's an essay. It's not a book. Um, that's a good, easy, easier read um, to get yourself kind of understanding why Bitcoin has value. And then the book, I think probably the best book around Bitcoin because, because like you said, it starts, I mean, the book is almost entirely about money, right? It's called the Bitcoin standard. I'm going to say the first 60, 70% of the book is just talking about money and how gold evolved and how governments co-opt gold. They stamp it, turn it into currency, issue it. Then they need to fight a war and pay for the war. So they scoop all the gold back instead of 15 grams of gold. Now the, now the Roman empire issues 10 gram gold coins. So they just boom inflated their, uh, their currency by 33%, but now they can afford the war. And then eventually Roman soldiers don't want to be paid in gold anymore because they know that it's just going to get worth, it's going to be worth less and less and less. Like, you know, this is thousands of years ago. It's the same stuff. Same thing is happening now. Like 1971, Nixon comes off the gold standard. Gold, nobody, nobody alive even remembers holding dollars that were worth, that you could exchange for gold, right? Everybody, yeah, there's some very elderly people that don't know about Bitcoin. Uh, they don't, nobody knows that like you used to be able to be like every dollar was worth one third, one thirty fifth of an ounce of gold and it was pegged. And then we got to fight Vietnamese. War. like, this is, this is uh, condensing things quite a bit, but 
you know, we go to Vietnam, it's not a popular war. You can't sell war bonds. Nobody's going to buy them. Nobody supports the, or the, the war is not supported by the population. So how do you pay for it? You come off a gold standard, you print your own money. Now you can buy as many helicopters and Hueys and, and machine guns and everything else and pay the soldiers to go to war. So from 1971 on, like we're on the dollar standard that's backed by the full faith and credit of the United States government, which like, it's getting worth less and less <laughs> over time. So it's a, you know, it's, it's kind of a wild ride to like start to really understand money because you know, everybody spends their whole life trying to, you get educated, you build skills, you go to work, you get a network of people and you try to make more and more money so that you can buy trade your money, which is just converting your time and effort into something valuable and then converting that into goods and services that other people spend their energy creating and uh, and so you trade that and so it's like man yeah you need to value money and if it falls apart by seven percent a year every year for two years like that's not good like you're spending a ton of your time and i mean if you don't get a raise if you don't get a seven percent raise then you're spending the same same amount of time to have less buying power and but you're one year closer to dying or one year closer to retirement where you can't work anymore so it's uh, it's pretty it's pretty tricky and then like maybe there's a chapter or two that talks about bitcoin that ties it together so and i think that's probably the way to learn about bitcoin is like if you try to dive in and try to understand mining and nodes and all the technical stuff 90 plus percent people most people that like that stuff are already into bitcoin right the people that aren't into bitcoin right now you're not going to get them into it by talking to them about how cool the, the difficulty adjustment is and that, you know, every 10 minutes a block is my, uh, a block is, is added to the blockchain and why an immutable blockchain is valuable and how, how much memory it takes up and, you know, how mining works. Uh, you know, like if you're into that stuff, you're into Bitcoin already, but like <laughs> I can imagine how, are into money. I can imagine how boring that conversation would be with someone. They would just, their eyes glazed over trying to understand all of that. Yeah, I'm doing a I'm doing a Bitcoin presentation to tonight at a crypto group in town, and one slide literally says, "This is the slide where Hal tries to talk about Bitcoin without putting people to sleep." And it's like mining nodes, and I'm like, it's it's like the least important part because nobody understands how dollars work. Nobody understands how the monetary system works. You know, everybody hears, you know, oh, they're printing more money. Nobody understands. There's, you know, there's not a there's not a xerox machine where they just print money you know but nobody understands any of that stuff so like how important is it that they understand the the details of mining and how the nodes interact and uh, it, it's is like as long as you as long as you trust that it works because it's worked that's it, that's all you have to do to you don't have to trust anything because this bitcoin is decentralized and it works well, I think that's a great point because pretty much all currency in general is all based on trust, right? And without trust, there's, I mean, there are maybe a few that have assets to back it, but for the most part, every fiat currency out there doesn't really have enough assets to back everything that's out there. So um, crypto in general is based on trust. And when they screw up something and lose the trust, then the value is going to go down. So as long as they keep doing what they say they're going to do, then the trust should be there. And one of the benefits for with the blockchain is it takes humans out of uh, the, the, the center or the middle of this. And usually humans are very error prone, right? So if you put it in a computer and say, this is what has to happen, it's going to happen every single time and you're not going to see the errors. So it is going to provide a level of trust that is much higher than anything else out there today. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you know, people will ask, well, like, who's in charge of Bitcoin or who is, you know, like, who do you talk to if Bitcoin doesn't work? And it's like, nobody like, man, that's weird. I'm like, yeah, but like, look at, look at what the German leaders did to the German in energy industry. Like leaders don't always, it's not always great. Like you look back in history and you only learn about the winners, right? Like, if there's two sides, one side, one leader wins. It doesn't matter if he's a good leader or not. The other one might just be way worse. So like to not have a leader in the Bitcoin system is, uh, is valuable. You don't have to trust that one guy isn't going to screw up or that 
that that one guy's going to screw up less than the, the other guy. It's like the protocol works. It's decentralized. As long as there's one internet connection in, in the world, as long as there's some electric power moving in the world, then Bitcoin keeps, keeps working. And, and, it, and if there's an EMP and it knocks out everything globally for two years, as soon as they plug back in, it's back up and running again. It's like everything's, everything's back. Everybody has their, the same keys work, the same everything works. Uh, nobody lost any value. Nobody lost any Bitcoin in a Bitcoin denominated sense. And so, yeah, I mean, it's like, it, it's pretty solid. Um, one more thing that, so if you're not into podcasts and you're not into just reading a book and you're like, man, I wish I could just take a class on Bitcoin. Um, Michael Saylor has sailor.org that he, because so, he wants to do like free education, like not just Bitcoin, but like he wants, he thinks, he thinks education should be free, which is kind of, kind of, uh, well, it, it should definitely be cheaper than it is, right? Uh, so he has a course called Bitcoin for Everybody. So you can take the course, you take a test, you get a certificate, just like an online class. Um, so that's another resource. If you're like, you know what? Like, I looked at podcasts, there were 500. Uh, I read the books, but I'm like, man, I really want to know if I know stuff. Like, just take that course. It's free. Uh, I don't know how long it takes. Hours, tens of hours. Um, but I mean, it takes tens of hours to have a decent understanding of Bitcoin. So you know, you can spend 100 hours and spend 60 of those hours chasing stuff that's maybe not so useful, or this is kind of an organized course that uh, that you could take. So it's uh, it's on sailor.org. So that's, to me, those, that's kind of like the three different ways to learn about Bitcoin. There's other podcasts out there that are good. Um, those are the ones I listen to. Well, it's interesting. I know we, we wrote a book a few years ago, and one of, that, one of the reasons why we did that was wanting to learn more about Bitcoin. Um, and it, it's crazy to me, spending 45 minutes to read that book is probably equivalent to spending close to two weeks of research uh, spent on looking at coins and, and things like that. So it, there is a lot of advantages to using some of these existing courses and books that people have that are explaining everything to you in a much easier format than you having to go find it on every different site and location on the web. Oh yeah, yeah. I, like you don't you don't want to pick stocks by looking at TD Ameritrade and looking at stocks. Like yeah. you'd if you'd need to be a like a pro. So I mean, it's the same with the same with this. Like don't don't go to Coin Market Cap and just start picking random coins that you think are going to be winners because you like the logo or the name sounds good. I mean, it's like do some research, figure stuff out, understand what you like, understand why you think, have some conviction because. Things are going to go up and down 50%, 80%. You know, if, if you don't have conviction, if you don't believe in what you're investing in, you're going to sell the lows and then you're going to buy when it rockets back up. I mean, you're going to get wrecked. Like it's, it's, it's almost impossible to do well like that. Like if you don't think, if you don't really believe in what you're investing in, you can't ride these, these, these fluctuations in price. Yeah, I think it's a good point. And we'll, we'll talk about altcoins here in a little bit. But it, it's funny, most of the people that get into altcoins, at some point when they sell, they're selling into Bitcoin, right? So, I mean, the goal is to accumulate as much Bitcoin as possible. My view is that the altcoins can possibly help you get more, although you can possibly not. You could have less too, right? So it depends on how they well, how well they do. Um, so depending on your level and how much you want to stay on top of this stuff, it could be better options to stick entirely almost to Bitcoin versus looking at some of these other coins. And when you look at the other coins, you're going to start finding that there's teams involved and roadmaps and all kinds of things that are happening because they're a lot newer than what Bitcoin has. And they're still trying to prove out and, and some of them are decentralized. Some of them are not right. So there's, there's benefits to, I think both of those. Um, but there's a lot of information on all of these coins out there and a lot to think about and, and think about how they compare. And, and I think the, the big question and maybe the big point for a lot of this is find out what problem it's solving, right? Bitcoin, we've talked about some of the problems that it's solving. All these other coins, are they trying to do solve the exact same thing? And if so, which one's going to be better? Um, or are they doing something different? And, and that's once you understand what problems it's solving, then you can probably weed out a lot of and be like, this is not going to be worthwhile at all to invest in. Right. Yeah. There's like one of the things that people talk about is like, 
Oh, this uh, you can you can put warranty deeds for real estate on the blockchain, and this is gonna be so valuable because warranty deeds. No, no, they don't like. How big of a problem is warranty deeds being held at a courthouse? Is that a like is that a monetizable problem? And it, it, it's constantly used. And like India's got a big problem with property deeding and things like that. So maybe it's okay there. But I, and I like maybe that's just me being an American and everything's better here and things work better and we have a government that mostly works better than other places. But like money is a big problem. Your the US dollar inflation is a huge problem. Uh that's a real problem worth like if you're gonna if you're gonna like think big, like that's the problem worth tackling. Um building building programs on digital infrastructure and protocols like Ethereum. There you can solve problems that way. Like I I'm sure that there are problems out there that are solvable. And and I mean, if the metaverse takes off and Mark Zuckerberg runs the largest <clears throat> country on earth. Like, there's going to be some problems that cryptocurrencies can solve in there. But, like, money's a big problem. <laughs> like, it's, it's a huge problem. So uh, I, I think I think Bitcoin's trying to tackle the biggest problem. And, yeah, I mean, you know, a lot of people put money in real estate because of the money problem. And a lot of people put money in stocks because of a money problem. I mean, everybody's trying to retire. You can't just collect money. You can't just collect U.S. dollars and try to retire. It doesn't work. Because they're just like your retirement's so far away, and inflation's eating you alive. So you have to you have to get your money out of money and into something else. And so, for Bitcoin to go after that, I think I think that's why I think it's the most valuable. Is it? I mean, it can eat the monetary premium on real estate, the monetary premium in gold, the monetary premium in uh, collectibles and artwork. Like it doesn't have to eat a hundred percent of everything, but I mean. You can, if you had Bitcoin savings accounts, you use dollars to spend on your daily operations and it's a whole new asset class where you can just, yeah, I mean, it's, it's going to be volatile. Like Bitcoin is going to be volatile because it doesn't have, a, it doesn't have a supply side cushion. Like if gold price spikes, gold miners are going to be digging like crazy to find more gold and push more gold into the system so that there's more supply. So greater demand, greater supply, the price doesn't spike. Uh, similarly, if demand goes down and price goes down, then they stop digging uh, because it's not profitable. Bitcoin doesn't have that, right? Bitcoin is a Bitcoin. It doesn't matter what the demand is. Bitcoin's supply is coming in at the same rate no matter what. So it, it'll be it'll be volatile. Like it just doesn't have. It's not flexible on the supply side. So it, there's. I don't think. I don't think it'll be as volatile as it is as, as it has been. But I mean, you're going to see bounces. But I mean. If your savings account, if you're going to be in it for four years, five years, then it's 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 volatile to the upside, right? Like it's not a bad gig. Um, well, so, well yeah. Bitcoin is inflationary right now because you're getting new coins every block, but it will turn to a point where it's deflationary when all the mining stops in what a hundred years or whatever it's going to be at this point, right? So yeah. um, that that will change at some point where it's not a new supply coming in. Yeah, I'm not. A hundred years for like if Bitcoin takes and becomes a, some level of currency, a hundred years is an eternity for a currency to remain a currency. Like nobody, nobody was like, oh, I don't know about these dollars in 1971. Like, but now it's like mm, these dollars, man. No, this is kind of sucks. I need to get out of them. Like, you know, we're whatever that is, fifty plus years into this into this dollar. Um, you know that's that's kind of an kind of an old currency. So I mean I think that's maybe tying that into some of the altcoin side of things. That's all about the tokenomics, right? And a lot of other coins have different views of how they do things, whether it's proof of work, proof of stake, uh, or a handful of other things as well, uh, proof of consensus, things like that. The big question that you have to understand with all of your research and any token that you do is how do the tokens work, right? Are they just creating more of the, out of thin air? Can they create more out of thin air? Is there going to be a cap? Um, and how many are existing? How many are going to be coming up for availability for the founders? And, and at what point, right? So there's, it gets a lot more complicated when you start talking about things other than Bitcoin. Um, but there still are 
I think opportunities out there to look at that are worthwhile on new companies that are being created and born to create innovative solutions for problems that are existing. So it's all about doing your own research and it's wading through a bunch of crap to find the diamonds in the rough, right? So, um, what else? Anything else from a research perspective that you can think of from a, for, I guess, from a Bitcoin perspective that you're spending time doing when you're looking at it or? Normally what I do, so like Twitter, I think is, is a, if you're into Twitter, it's a great place to get news. Um, you can kind of cultivate the, the, the sources that your news comes from. Um, and so if you're into Twitter, I would follow documenting Bitcoin. They're fairly serious. You know, they don't put up a bunch of meme stuff and kind of junky stuff. They kind of give you headlines. And what I'll typically do is take headlines that I find from Twitter. And then I will go to traditional news sources to get the like the non Bitcoin world take on whatever the, you know, Bitcoin people took from the news and turned it into Bitcoin news. Um, so there's but there's tons of people to follow on, on Twitter, Dan Held and Preston Pish and uh, I mean, it, it, that's it's a long list, but Twitter's great because, man, stuff comes out on Twitter, and then two days later you read it in in traditional news. So, Twitter's like you can kind of live in the future a little bit. Um, kind of weird. I mean, like for for serious people, for me to be like, yeah, I'm a pretty serious guy. Twitter's where I get my news. Uh, it's pretty weird, but uh, I think if you do it right and you don't listen to a bunch of garbage and uh, and you follow like different sources that don't have all the same ideology, you can get a decent approximation at kind of reality. Um, better than if you just read uh, like two newspapers, like traditional newspapers, because you're likely going to be choosing two newspapers that are on one side or the other of politics. So Twitter, Twitter is kind of good for that. And honestly, Bitcoin, Bitcoin news feeds are fairly apolitical because it doesn't really matter. Um, so like, it's a decent way to check yourself as far as like not getting, uh, not getting on the wrong side of the, of the algorithm and you only get pumped news that you want to hear. Um, so that's, you know, that's tricky. So like I follow Peter Schiff too, because he's like an anti Bitcoin gold bug and he, and you know, it's kind of a joke, honestly, but like, at least he puts out news that's bad for Bitcoin like so that i still see it even if i read it and i'm like mm, this isn't really this isn't really bad for Bitcoin. he's just trying to sell gold well so i think that's a great point when you're doing any sort of research and this comes with stocks or anything like that your entire goal of your research should be trying to find all the flaws and point out the reason why not to invest in whatever you're looking to do and if after all that research you say you know what even with all these flaws this makes a ton of sense then you invest, right? And and that's what this entire goal is. It's is there one right way to do it? No. I mean, some people are throwing darts at a board, right? And that's worked in the past for some monkeys. Um, but that's not what most people are doing, right? There's there's so much more to look at. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why it's important to listen to multiple people too, because like the cream kind of rises to the top. Like the the people that get it, they get more followers, so they pop up more and their stuff gets shared more. And then eventually you'll kind of find people that like new people are constantly bubbling to the top, right? This Jason Lowry guy posted some stuff on LinkedIn. He's an MIT grad and a, he, he's a space force military engineer. And like six months ago he popped up on LinkedIn and he's writing like a thesis on Bitcoin as a, a national security and uh, how it, how it applies to war, because that's what he does. So it's like, man, okay, well, there's a whole other side of Bitcoin I hadn't really thought of. But now he, he pops up on these podcasts talking about how he's writing his thesis. Um, and so it's, you know, he rose to the top pretty quickly. He's a serious guy. Uh, he understands Bitcoin as well as anybody. And he's only focused on one element of it. And, you know, he's not focused on why it's going to, why it's better than gold or why it's better than bonds. He's focused on how can, if, what's the game theory look like on from a country to country basis, like, and how does that change? You know, I mean, he, he says some crazy stuff, man, but it's, it's interesting if you're into it, but it's like a future war is going to be one country sends a bunch of unmanned drones and they battle with another country's unmanned drones until one country runs out of drones. And then the, the country that 
one just had just has more money has more drones and he's like you could just do that with hash power and whichever country has the most hash power could win and so you could just take out other countries uh bitcoin mining and have a political victory instead of sending drones to war because like everybody's getting further and further away of sending people to war despite what russia's doing uh so it was like okay that's something i haven't ever thought about maybe it's not useful at all <laughs> but it's like you know it does make you think like okay these are the things that countries think about right there are people despite the way it looks there are people in government that are serious that look 30 40 50 years in the future and try to position the country to be successful um i think some of the near-term people block them a lot but there's a chance i mean as here's the deal like russia russia's foreign exchange reserves are useless right now they had like 600 and something billion dollars in us dollars euros uh remimbi whatever all these foreign currencies and then 150 billion dollars in gold well the 450 billion dollars they had in foreign currencies outside of the yuan no outside of the chinese their chinese yuan yuan uh those are all useless because they're sanctioned and they can't use them so other countries depleted russia's sovereign reserves which is not good and then i read today that the united states was looking at passing a bill that said any any american entity that engages with russia and trades gold for commodities or, or dollars it becomes illegal so they're all they're almost able to make their gold worthless despite a rising gold price and it's like, so what could a country hold that other countries couldn't make worthless? Like name something, right? Like it's, it's Bitcoin or it's nothing else, right? I mean, that's, I'm not pulling for Russia, but like, when is it the United States turn to be hated on by the rest of the world? Like, you know, we may not all we may be in dissension and other countries may be in ascension and 50 years from now the world's more of a level playing field and we're not as dominant so how can we help how can we help ourselves uh, prevent other countries from restricting our value like well they can't stop bitcoin right so it's, it's things like that that are kind of interesting but like that's the philosophical podcast stuff that i'm talking about like the what is money with robert breedlove like that's not hey over the you know in a, in a five-year term bitcoin's price has never been down like that's super different than uh than that right talking about why countries would hold bitcoin on their balance sheet so anyway there's a there is more information out there than anybody wants to wants you're never going to run out of bitcoin information especially if you're just getting started now because you can go back four years into podcasts and you can listen to them for 700 hours and not be caught up so it's uh it's it's pretty solid it's pretty good if you you want to educate yourself this is this is the time and bitcoin is definitely the, the place to start I, I think after you get familiar with bitcoin and if you think bitcoin is the place you want to be then you can start to look at other things but i would use a small percentage of your cryptocurrency investments in looking at that and when you do look at something like that it's use something like a coin gecko to make sure that you're going to the right spots and you're there's the problem is there's so many scams out there uh i think there was a, a lady that started a company called rug docs after um some one of the coins that her husband invested in they pretty much pulled the rug out from underneath it and stole all the money so like even a place like that to go see um what their view is on on what the company is like and if it's risky or not risky and and I mean, everything's risky. It doesn't I mean whether you're talking about Bitcoin or whatever's ten thousandths on the list of the, the crypto coins out there these days. So yeah. it, it's all going to be about trying to find out how to minimize your risk and make sure that the risk amount is is the right for you at that time. Yeah, definitely don't uh, fall for a scam. That's like if you send me two Bitcoin, I will send you four Bitcoin because people <laughs> still fall for that. It's like, this is Michael Saylor. I'm doing a Bitcoin giveaway. It's like, no, he's not. 
Yeah. Don't do I that. Mean, and people still do it. There's, you can follow people. You can, there's a Twitter account called Bitcoin scams or something to that effect. And they tag the known scam wallets. And every time Bitcoin goes into a scam wallet, they post, Hey, half a Bitcoin was just transferred into this scam wallet. Somebody just lost a half a Bitcoin to a scam. Like it's, it's not, it's not hard to know. You cannot double your Bitcoin for free. It does that. Nobody's giving away Bitcoin. Yeah. If it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. Yeah. And most of this stuff doesn't disappear immediately. So if you have a question, ask them, ask somebody. I mean, we started a Facebook group to do entirely that. If they have questions, come in and ask a question to the people that are in it and say, Hey, what do you guys think about this? Right. Um, there's, there's plenty of the pie to go around to everybody right now. So uh, just, just my view is stick your foot in and see what, see where it takes you. Yep. And the Bitcoin people that are into Bitcoin make time for people to, to talk to them about how to, you know, whatever questions they have, because it, whether you're being altruistic and you're, you're like, Hey, good. I'm glad you're getting out of us dollars and you're getting into Bitcoin instead of bonds or you're being selfish and you're like, yeah, come on get into Bitcoin. It's going to raise the price of Bitcoin. It's going to raise the price of all of the Bitcoin I've already bought. It doesn't matter. Right. It, it, that if you gain information and you're doing better tomorrow than you did yesterday, or you have more Bitcoin tomorrow than you did yesterday, like who cares? It's good. Yeah. Well, this has been awesome. How this is, as always, it's great to talk to you about uh, whatever the latest topic is on our mind. So thanks for sharing your insights on doing your own research. And, and I hope everybody, um, takes some of this advice and, and goes and does their own research, right? There's a lot of good stuff out there, both Bitcoin and a few other things as well. So go take a look and see what's out there and uh, enjoy. Thanks for journeying down the crypto rabbit hole with us. If you're interested in learning more about crypto, please join our private Facebook group on Blocking Crypto. It's a small community discussing new ideas and just asking questions to learn more. Hope to interact with you there.